Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, reading through verse 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the, everybody say it with me, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day. How many believe we're living in an evil day? And having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Lord, I'm grateful and thankful tonight for the word you've laid on my heart, for the word you've given us in, in the scriptures, God, to help us to have understanding what you have provided, what's available God, what you want for our lives. And God, I pray for the anointing to deliver your word. Hallelujah. The unction of the Spirit, Lord. God, to deliver it in a way that it be received, in a way that pleases God. Help us all under your anointing to receive your word. But God, to apply your word. To take it to heart, God. Oh, in Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody say amen. You may be seated tonight. Uh, last week we talked about spiritual warfare. This week, following up with that, lesson two is wearing the whole armor of God. Everybody say wearing the whole armor of God. Now, spiritual war- warfare like we established last week is not anything we can play dodgeball with. The devil's not one that says, if you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. No, if we're living for God, we're in warfare. There is an enemy. There is something that opposes our desire to please God and to serve God. If the devil's messing with you, that means you're doing pretty good. Amen? But we don't have to focus on what he's doing. We just have to... Be prepared, praise God. And we have been equipped through the Word of God with everything that we need. We just have to choose to pick it up, unleash it, put it into action. And so tonight the lesson is about warfare or about wearing the whole armor of God, rather. And uh, it uses, as you look at the armor, it reminds us of military because it's talking about battle. And so today, as I was finalizing this message, I just kind of Googled, you know, I know things change, and 
it didn't get all the in-depth of maybe what a Navy SEAL or all uh, special forces would use, but this is just your common combat soldier. What gear does he have to have? What is given him for battle? It's given to him for a purpose. Now, a soldier, a, a lieutenant or sergeant, whoever is commander of, of that battalion, would never think of allowing one a soldier to go out into combat without having all the gear. Is that all right? It, it wouldn't really be wise to go into combat saying, well, I've got on most of the gear. And here's what the Lord has dealt with me about concerning this lesson because we're all human, and we can take things for granted. We're blessed. God's good to us. Life's going great. All of this. If we're not careful in today's world, then we will. We could get to a place, and likely we all have been there, that we are not making sure that we have on the whole armor. Well, I've got this, and I've got that, and there's no major battles going on in our lives. So, but that is a trick of the devil, and and that is putting us at high risk of falling into harm's way because the emphasis placed in the scripture about the armor of God is the whole armor. Just like the soldier who would not consider or should not consider going to combat with partial armor. I wonder how often you and I have lived a day, a week, a month, a year, and we just had on partial armor. And we find ourselves spending our time combating the injuries and the results of the attacks of the devil instead of walking in the whole armor and preventing the attacks of the devil. Come on. An ounce of prevention is worth what? More than a pound of cure. And so the adversary would love to keep us dealing with the symptoms or the results of his attacks, wounded. Weighted down, weary and tired, feeling defeated and all these things. But yet God's give us things that we talked about last week, we're talking about this week, that we can live a life of prevention. That we don't have to deal with the injuries and the results of the attacks of the enemy. Everybody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's look at the gear of a military soldier going into combat. Number one, he had to have a helmet on. Got to protect the head. A uniform. You want to identify. Hello? Identify. I wonder if we got our Holy Ghost uniform on. Come on. Now holiness matters. Holiness matters. It never there never will become a time that holiness doesn't matter. In fact, I'm a firm belief we need to draw closer as holiness. Not get further away or compromised, but we need to say, God, what more can I do? Oh, praise God. That wasn't in the notes. It just kind of shot in there. And so we have to have, they, they would have to have boots to protect their feet. They, they had armor. They had um, weapons. They had ammo. What good would it have to have a weapon and not ammo? They had food, canteen, a compass, a first aid kit, uh, protective gear, communication equipment. And all of this would weigh up to 80 pounds. Now, can you imagine walking around through jungles or the battlefields carrying 80 pounds 
extra. I mean, I've been toting extra weight for quite a long time, and it gets you weary. But can you imagine toting all that? And it would be tempting to say, "This I'm not going to really need this today, and I'm not really going to need this today or that today. I'm going to lighten the load, but we can't afford to do that because we never know what a day is going to bring. We never know what the enemy has worked up to come against us. He is a deceiver, oh, praise God. And so we need the, but then there's another part of this. I read a portion of a story that in the military when they're uh, without the protective gear or without the communications gear, it would go from 68 to 100 pounds, the weight of the gear that a soldier. And I'm glad I don't have to tote all that around every day. But they said the soldier could never say he could not tote the, uh, what it wasn't buckets, but whatever the hell the water in because it weighed 68 pounds. And so they were trained. And it went on to say that this carrying of this weight, carrying the gear and carrying this weight, began to build their skeletal muscle, uh, their bones and certain muscles. And so it lowered the risk of breaks or fractures. It lowered the risk of certain accidents and things of that nature because carrying that gear on a regular basis built something within the soldier of his body that made him a stronger and a more fit. You see, carrying this armor is more than just having it on us. But by making our mind up and seeing the importance, the urgency and the vitalness of this armor that we can't go, it's also building something in us every day that makes us a stronger soldier. It makes us more fit. It makes us less likely of injury or fractures, if you will, in life. Oh, praise God. So, in verse 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God. Now, the clock's not working in the back, so I got a free ride tonight. Now, I saw you look at your watch. No, I didn't. I played it. I, I've got it right here on my iPad. And I, and I didn't get started. Well, we're not going to talk about that. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, the purpose of that is that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Everybody say, I want to stand. But the key point is the whole armor. Amen, I talked about that, so I won't go into that again about not having on all the armor, but wearing a portion of, the, of it. Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and he's writing about the necessity to have the whole armor. I can't get away from that part of it because the Lord just kept pressing it in me. If we're not careful, we're going to have part of the armor, and we're going to feel okay, and we're going to feel safe. But yet there's things being thrown our way all the time. And the devil is going to work everything he can to against us. And therefore we need, everybody say with me, the whole armor. Say it again, wearing the whole armor. Throughout the Ephesians, I'm going to be bringing out Isaiah because Paul borrowed from the book of Isaiah. Chapter 11, chapter 49, chapter 52, and chapter 57, or 59 rather. Uh, he borrowed from that because it talked about the armor. It talked about the righteousness, uh, breastplate of righteousness and uh, girded with truth and things of that nature. So he borrowed from that. But like Paul used the, uh, the uh, Olympic Games to talk about the crown, remember that? He's now using the soldier. 
because we are soldiers in God's kingdom. Verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, against, but against principalities and powers and against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, we don't always see that, but it's ongoing. Wherefore, take unto you, in verse 13 it says it again, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. And I think part of that having done all is to make sure we got on the whole armor. I hope you go home tonight from this service and say, you know what, i got to make sure I've got on the whole armor. When I get up in the morning and begin my day, we want to make sure we got on the entire complete armor of God. Now, the first one, it says, Stand having your loins girded about with truth. There was a belt. Their loins were girded. And this is important. And, and we find it... Uh, the, you say, well, what, why is truth so important in the battle? Well, first of all, you've got to know truth. But watch this. The enemy works with subtlety and deception. If Eve had put on the whole armor of God, she wouldn't have been deceived. But Eve didn't have truth and didn't have the word established and understanding in her heart, so the enemy could approach her easily and cause her to be deceived. We're no different. That's why we see so many people fall away into false doctrine or, or charismatics or, or fall away from the, the, the church because they did not, they were not girded about with truth. Because when you've got truth, my friend, the enemy can come at you with things. He will try, to, listen to me a second, he will try his best to distort our comprehensive, our interpretation of the Word of God. He's going to come to us uh, in ways that where evil sounds good. He's going to come to us in ways that this is not really that bad or that is not really what God meant by that. While others are doing it, so you know it's not that terrible. He told Eve and he turned the word of God around. He said, did not God tell you that you couldn't have all of the garden? That's not what God said. God said you can have all of the garden except. What will destroy you? What will harm you? What will bring destruction in your life? You got it all here, but stay away from that because it's going to ruin my plan for your life. But the devil presented to her in this fashion, God's holding out on you. There's things that you can have that God's not let. Isn't that just like the devil? You don't have to really dress that way. You don't have to really live that way. You don't have to do all those things. Come on, somebody, help me tonight. But we've got to know this truth that we can combat it with the Word of God. Jesus, of course, was girded with the truth. And he used the Word. To defeat the devil. Well, if Jesus used the word to combat the devil, how come we, we must realize ourselves that we use the word of God? But we've got to be equipped with truth, have a revelation of truth. 
The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What are we doing every day when we are reading our word, reading the word of God, and we have the revelation of truth, and we're showed on it, we continue to read that to reinforce the understanding and the commitment. We are girding ourselves with truth that no matter what whispering the hell does into our lives, no matter what he tries to get us to look at or, or get us to question, no, we know that what thus saith the word of God. God's word does not change. It is for ever settled in heaven. Come on, somebody. But the devil is always trying to come at us to dilute, to compromise, or misinterpret the word of God. And the Bible says that God's word is of no private interpretation. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you love truth? And so we are girded. This truth is like wearing a belt, and we can defend the enemy. He's going to throw things at us. But we quote the word and say, no, you're wrong, dude. Of course, the devil's always wrong. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, that's where we're at, folks, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We got to be willing to, we got to be able to know that, pick up on that. Too many have been led astray. We've seen it right here in our own church that people have gone off into some, we just would never have believed it. But they did. Amen. And the reason is they were not girded with truth. Somewhere down the line, they, they lost the grip of truth. Somewhere down the line, they sold out the truth to compromise. And that's why truth is so vital. It's the victory that we're going to have against the devil's number one weapon. That's what he's going to try first. First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. What's going to combat this? Truth. Everybody say truth. Truth matters. Amen. To stand against the wiles. Everybody say the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. If we look that up, it means devious, manipulating Intended to share or to deceive. To share false or to deceive. So the wiles of the devil is an intention to attack truth. That's his strategy is to attack truth. But we can be girded with truth. We don't have to fall into that, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Let's look at verse 14. And having on the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Paul borrowed from Isaiah 59 a reference to it. In Isaiah 59 and 17 says, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. Amen. He put on righteousness as a breastplate. Now, understand, what does it mean by righteousness? Because it's not our righteousness. It's God's righteousness. We need his righteousness to clothe us because we are people of error. We have fallacies in our life. We have struggles in our life. We're not perfect. But if we put on his righteousness, 
Amen. And we're clothed with his righteousness. In, in other words, it's saying this, the righteousness or the breastplate of righteousness enables us to be followers of Christ, our imitators. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, imitate what I'm doing, not out of just going through the motions, but here's your pattern and here's your example. And, and I'm not living my life just just to uh, just for myself, but I'm living, trying my best to live the right way is what he's saying. And I'm doing my best to please God. And I want you to follow this because I am taking responsibility for you. He says, so follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Can you imagine? The responsibility Paul must have felt when he, whenever he shared that word that, hey, you follow me. You imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, what if he began to err, drop the ball, compromise? Paul took that responsibility seriously, and he said, come follow me. You know, us as leaders and as Christians, we have that same responsibility. It's not just on the pastor. It's not just on the Sunday school teacher or a director of a department. But every single one of us, Brother Stanley, we have that same weight of responsibility that Paul said we're going to be held accountable for the things that we erred or slipped in when there was somebody looking at us, somebody watching us. Us, somebody putting their confidence in us uh, and their faith in us. And that's why we've got to realize every day, I, we, none of us are going to be perfect. I'm not trying to present that at all. But I'm saying there is a weighty responsibility, my friend, that like Paul, there's some people following us the way we follow Christ. Uh, and however we follow Christ, that's the way they may follow Christ. We are an example of the believer. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I feel that I do that you take your walk seriously. You want to make it to heaven. You want to withstand the wiles of the devil, and you want to be able to withstand in the evil day. We're living in the most evil day known to the to the mankind, and we're being thrown with everything from left, from the east to the west. But can I tell you, you can walk a straight line. You can live line upon line, precept upon precept. You can have the truth. You can love God. Hallelujah and you can live in a way that whoever's following you can know that you can rest assured I'm not perfect but I'm trying hallelujah come on I just feel this in the Holy Ghost tonight that we're leading people to heaven we're walking before the Lord and we're striving our best that people will follow us and imitate us it happens from the children watch how many of the kids run the aisles when brother Sammy runs the aisle I've watched child after child worship God as I got videos of Aiden doing it. But I've watched many of them. They'll worship God. And you know how they do it? Anybody know where that come from? It's because they're imitating. I don't know about you, but I don't want my grandchildren imitating Michael Jackson. Come on, I don't want them imitating the, the rock world, and I just can't think of names right now, but I don't want them imitating Morgan Whaley and whoever he is. I just, that name popped up. He might not be a bad dude. But I don't want them imitating Taylor Swift. Come on. 
I don't want them imitating these people in the world and trying to do like they do, but we want them imitating somebody that knows how to pray, somebody that knows how to go to a prayer room, somebody that's willing to worship, somebody that will go to an altar and pray with people, somebody that will love and show love. Hallelujah. They see it, they get it more than we realize they get it. And so that's just an example that we're imitators. And Paul uses this. He says, come on, follow me as I follow Christ. If we do not protect ourselves with righteousness, then we open ourselves up to attack from the enemy, and we can fall into sin. None of us are bulletproof, 10 foot tall, and all that. But the breastplate of righteousness, it protects vital organs like the heart, the lungs. We have vital areas of our life that we need to protect. The devil don't want us to pray. The devil doesn't want us to live righteous. He he doesn't want us to do any of these things that are vital areas in our relationship with God. We can't make it without prayer. We can't survive without the Word of God in our life on a daily basis. We can't survive without church attendance and being faithful to the house of God. We can't do it. We'll get weak and anemic. Come on. And get spiritually malnutritioned. And the devil wants to attack these areas. And that's why we've got to have on the breastplate of righteousness. When temptation comes, we say, oh, no, I've got to live for God. When something quickens us and we're tempted with it or Lord trying to be lured by it, Brother Lee, we can say, oh, no, my walk with God is too important. Hey, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I've got to make it to heaven somehow. Lord, whatever you got to do, don't let me be lost. That's the kind of prayers that got our elders where they're at because when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road, it's the only thing that matters, my friend. When we breathe our last breath, it's where we stand with God. We've got to make up our mind in this evil day that we're going to stand above it. We're going to keep our head above the waters, and we're going to do what it takes to keep on the whole armor of God because we've got to make heaven our home. I remember the testimonies of when I was a child and a teenager. And you remember when they had testimony service and not gossip? Our stories, and they end with this. Just pray that I'll make heaven my home. Folks, it was on the minds of saints of God who live holy and godly lives, but they were set in stone. There's one mark I've got to reach, and that's heaven. There's one prize I've got to receive, and that is glory. We better get back to those old days that says, you know what? No matter what happens in this world, i got to make heaven my home because if I miss heaven, we miss it all. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Isn't God good? Most of that wasn't in the notes, so we're back up and running at 740. But Arthur just want to make sure I know what time we're at. <laughs> no, no. He's always keeping us right on track as far as keeping things running. Give Brother Arthur a hand. He's one of those guys that he's in the, in the back scenes, and you don't never, hardly ever see what he's doing. But you let one service go without him. Hello? You let us lose what he does, then we in trouble. Amen. So if you see him, let him know how much you appreciate him. Amen. Well, somebody say praise the Lord. That helps me catch up where I'm at. Ephesians 6 and 15 says, In your feet shod with the gospel 
shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Paul again references to Isaiah 52 and 7. He said, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings and that publisheth peace that bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Romans 10 and 15 says, And how shall they preach? Except they be sent. As it is written, How beautiful are the feet. Ooh, I got pretty feet tonight. I used to tell my daughters, and now my granddaughters, Hey, rub my feet. God will bless you for rubbing these feet. Oh, I said, no, I got scripture. The Bible says beautiful the feet of those who preach the gospel. It really ain't got anything to do with rubbing feet, but I used it anyway. <laughs> how beautiful it isn't about, you know, it's not talking about how appealing a foot is. Come on, get real. But how beautiful it is that someone would take and move forward to carry the gospel, the greatest message ever to hit this planet. How beautiful it is that someone will hear the call and answer the call and go and preach the gospel of peace. Oh, praise God. We've got to prepare. We've got to have our feet shot for the preparation. I would say the preparation. Now, preparation has a definition there. We're preparing. That takes work. That takes planning. That takes effort. That be that takes being intentional. We never know when we're going to have an opportunity to be a witness to somebody. And we need to have the gospel of peace steadily on our mind. Brother Miller and I was uh, dropping off the transport trailer that I hauled my wife's car in on. And the Lord will allow things to come into place, and we don't, we, we don't, we're not even sensitive to that. It's not us. It's just God making connections. And I was having a casual conversation with Kayla, the young lady checking us in. And I just said, where are you from? She was from Chicago, been in this area a short time. Have you got any children? When I said that, and I don't always ask that, but when I said that, she broke and tears began to flood down her face. And she could not even talk. She had to wait a few minutes and compose herself. And I just, you know, take your time, you know, like, what's going on here? And she had, been, they, her and her husband had been having, trying to have children for three years. And she just got a false pregnancy test that morning. Now, I felt bad that I even said what I said. It brought, but God used that as an open door. And we began to be able to minister Brother Miller and Sister Miller tried for 11 years. There's somebody that can relate to her pain and, her, and what her and her husband. And she just began to open up and weep. And we had prayer with her. I stopped by yesterday, gave her a card, had more conversation with her. She's planning on coming to church. Her husband has cerebral palsy. So I want you to pray for Kayla. But you, we never know who we're going to come in contact with. We never know when the opportunity is going to present itself. We just have to be prepared. Lord, help me to be sensitive in the Holy Ghost. and Help us, Lord, to be prepared at any moment to be sensitive to witness or to share with somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ. How beautiful are those who feed of those who carry the gospel. Oh, praise God. Now, again, this is not a defensive tool. The preparation, having our feet shod, the preparation of the gospel 
I'm so nervous, I'm going to say preparation H. My tongue tightened. So I just said it, got out of the way. Just be real, folks. Just be real. But the, the, this is an offensive. This is what the devil don't like. He wants us to clam up. He wants us to be quiet. He wants us to miss every opportunity. He does not want us to connect with a hungry world. He does not want us to share the gospel with someone that God is dealing with and God is stirring their hearts. So he wants to silence the people of God. But the Bible's telling us a part of that whole armor is that we will shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel, that we're prepared, that we can go and speak to a lonely and a dark world. We can speak to a hurting hearts. We can speak hope. We can speak deliverance. We can speak salvation. We can speak things that rise, lift them up. It can build their faith. It can bring hope into their life. I'm telling you, we need to hit our world every day and every opportunity we can. We need to share about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We need to let folks know no matter where you're at, there's hope. Brother Joe and Sister Dana, did, did you find hope when God brought you to the church? You found hope. You found a new life. Brother Otis and Sister Carol, did you not find something when you came to the house of God? You found something that's changing your world. It's brought joy into your life in the midst of a storm. I'm telling you, we need to go forth prepared with the gospel of peace. This world needs it. I'm determined to finish this, so y'all bear with me. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all, everybody say all, the fiery darts of the wicked. The devil's throwing stuff at you. They're fiery darts. Whether it's attitude, whether it's a field, putting you in a bind. Are getting you to slip, getting us to slip. Anything he's throwing darts of discouragement, of disdain, of gloom and doom and doubt and fear. Come on, somebody. He's going to throw things at us constantly, whether it's false doctrine or, or, or bitterness or jealousy. Hello, somebody. He's going to throw things at us because if he can get one to land, it's going to poison our system. And can I tell you, you can't poison part of the well. It's, if you poison part of the well, it poisons all of the well. Oh, praise God. I need that shield. The Roman shield of that time was called a scutum. This type of shield was as large as a door. Can you imagine trying to fight at the same time? But it was designed that it would cover your entire body. God is saying he, this shield of faith is designed to cover our entire life. From head to toe, from shoulder to shoulder, we need a shield of faith that says no matter what comes my way, I may not understand it. My faith may be low, but I'm going to trust God. We're going to put our faith in God. We're going to trust him no matter what comes our way, no matter what goes on in our world. And the devil can't stand that. He can't knock you down or keep you down because you'll be 
be like Micah. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light. That's saying before it ever gets here, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what's going to happen before it ever takes place. If you knock me down, I'm getting back up. If you find me in a lonely place of darkness, my Lord's going to shine a light. He's not going to leave me there. And my faith is that I know he's going to do that because he's done it too many times. But then that shield, they would, at times, it wasn't just a defense. It was a great defensive uh, guard, weapon, or armor. But they would also lock up those shields, and it becomes a wall of shields. And they would push their enemies back as an offensive. So the shield of faith is an offensive and a defensive weapon or tool or shield, if you will. Now, what does that have to do with us? Oh, this is what I saw in it. When I read the story about them locking arms and locking those shields, I could just picture a wall of shield. Come on. What about the unity of faith of the church? When we get together and we lock faith and we lock in unity and we go and we say we're going to take our world, we're going to turn our world upside down, we're going to evangelize, we're going to love the lost, we're going to disciple new converts, we're going to do all. And when the enemy comes against us, he's not going to get us down. We're not going to let division in, but we're going to lock shoulder to shoulder, shield to shield, and we're going to move forward because if we move forward, locked together. There's no place for a weapon to come in. There's no place for a fiery dart to find penetration. Why? Because we have unified. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to lock shields. Hello? It, it, this is Bible now. The shield of faith. The unity of faith. Unity is togetherness. Oh, mercy. Brother Tekla Marin in Ethiopia where they saw Hundreds of thousands get the Holy Ghost. He said this, we do not pray for revival. Now, who, what apostolic church in their right mind wouldn't pray for revival? But they didn't, but they had revival. He said, we just pray for unity. Because when unity comes, revival is going to happen. God's going to have a free flow. Nothing is stopping it up. It's not getting stagnant. Come on, some. what is unity? There's a diversity of things that are unity. But one of the primary things I feel like unity is that God, whatever direction you're going, whatever way you're leading our church, whatever, we're going to get on board. We're not going to analyze it. We're not going to scrutinize it. We're not going to go through our own opinions. We're just going to get together and we're going to get on board and say this is the way the train's moving this is the way the ship is sailing and that is unity we don't worry about our ideals or opinions this is the way God is going and when we get all get on board there's a constant flow of revival a constant flow of a move of God how about you tonight is that what you're hungry for is that you know what I'm going to cast my ideals I'm going to cast my opinions aside and we're going to say God wherever you're going that's where we want to go. That's unity, my friend. Woo! We all have preferences. We all have preferences. But I want God's preference. I want to go where God's going. I want Him to lead us. Well, praise the Lord. The helmet of salvation. Our minds are protected. 
the battle of the mind. Remember we talked about that last week, the battle of the mind. The devil puts imaginations and thoughts, and he can't get to us without getting to our mind. But that's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Folks, we need the mind of Christ. We need the mind of Christ. And the way we keep the mind of Christ, just because you had it yesterday don't mean we'll have it today. We've been human long enough to know that, don't we? But that's why we got to pray. God, anoint my mind, anoint my attitude, anoint our, our perceptions, anoint the way we talk, the way we think, the things that we participate in. God, anoint our steps, anoint every way of our life. God, anoint my mind, anoint my lips, anoint everything about us. Let the words of my lips and, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh God. Come on, somebody. We gotta we gotta be serious about this thing. We can't just take chances with part of the armor, but we gotta have on the whole armor of God. And we gotta protect this mind. We gotta have on the helmet of salvation. You know why we don't want to participate in that? Because we're saved. We don't want to do anything that would jeopardize our salvation. Well, praise God anyhow. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. I don't know about you, but when holy went before acceptable, that ties that together, and it tells me to be acceptable to God, you've got to be holy. He said, come out from among them and be you separate, and I will receive you. That tells me that if we don't, he won't receive us. I want to be acceptable, and I want to be received of God. He said, be you holy, for I am holy. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We, I Go ahead and just tell you right now on a Wednesday night, we need a fresh revival of holiness. And the real signs of a real revival is when we start laying some stuff down that we picked up, when we start putting things aside that we know we been taught all our lives it's not what God wants we don't need to go back and pick up things we need to go forward so to Claudette Walker said it good great in her message I don't know if you saw the clip I shared here a while back she said but the stone king was preaching and and he was praying and he, he was talking about a time that he was in prayer and the Lord gave him a vision and he showed him he said let me tell you there's people coming up the mountain and they're not where you're at their holiness is not where your holiness is. But what you have to do is reach down and help pull them up the mountain. Never turn around and go down the mountain. Hello? When we start picking up things that we were taught against, that I'm talking about scriptural, that are things that are Bible doctrine. We don't need to go back down the mountain. We need to keep climbing up the mountain. Help me pray. I'm praying right now, God, give us a revelation of holiness, not something that I'm pushing across the pulpit, but something that's taking place in here that says, God, I want to get closer. I want to give up things. I want to consecrate our lives. We want to commit ourselves we want to be sanctified. You know what sanctified means? Sanctified means set apart. I don't know about you, but and I'm not being rude tonight, but we're looking too much like the world. 
We're starting to dress too much like the world. We're starting to think too much like the world. We listen to too much like the world. And I'm just going to preach it straight because I love you. And I'm going to stand before God today. We need a revival of holiness that says, I want to come out of this world and be your shepherd, saith the Lord. The Bible says, love not the world nor the things of this world. If the love of the world is in you, the love of the Father is not. Now, folks, you can't get no more scriptural than that. We better quit letting things redefine holiness. We better quit letting modern modernity of religion uh, redefine modesty. And we better get back to the roots of prayer and say, God, it ain't what I got to give up. It's what I get to give up. It's how clean we get to get, how holy we... I'm not talking about a self-righteous, holier-than-thou attitude. That is nothing but a stench in the nostrils of God. I'm talking about a love and a holiness that does it unto God and for no other reason. But I'm hungry for it. I told Brother Roy here yesterday, we was in prayer, praying, and, we, and I, I said, Brother Roy, a real revival is when we start giving stuff up. When we start getting closer to God. And the closer we get to God, the stuff we're going to give up. Hear me? The closer we get to God, the more holier we're going to want to be. Because the closer you get to a holy God, the more we want to be like him. And the signs of not being where we ought to be with God is when we begin to let things go and we begin to pick things up. Now, I'm being a pastor tonight, but I'm doing it with the love of God. I believe this from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. I don't believe in holier than thou. I don't believe in self-righteousness, but I believe in godliness and righteousness and holiness unto the Lord. Don't you love it tonight? Oh, hallelujah. Let's stand together. And everybody said the sword of the Spirit. But let me go back. Let me go back. I didn't finish this. In verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world. This world is forever changing. This world is, this flesh is enmity with God. This world opposes, worldliness opposes godliness, holiness, and righteousness. And so we cannot conform our lifestyle, our dress. Hello? And that's just, and we could carry the list on further. We can't conform it to the fashions of this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, somebody clap your hands to Jesus. Now watch this, that you may prove, that's not talking about convincing somebody, that you may prove, watch this now, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word prove means to live out. It means to live it out, prove the ox. Come on, prove the ground. That means put it to work and see if it produces what it's supposed to do. I don't know about you, but the Scripture's teaching us tonight that we can prove that we're here to please God and not ourselves. Oh, God, help us. We're trying to get to heaven. We want to be a light unto a dark world. Hallelujah. The next we'll talk about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Isaiah 49 and 2 says, And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me. 
and made me a polished shaft, and in his quiver hath he hid me. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God, sharper than the two-edged sword, dividing a son of the soul and the spirit. The word of God is something we've got to have, and we've got to keep it sharp. Next, we're going to talk about prayer. But in verse 18, the closing of this, he said, praying with all prayer and supplication. Next week's lesson is all things prayer. All things prayer. I'm going to share this with you, and I'm, I know I'm being a little long tonight, but it's okay. I've stayed in church a lot longer than this. I was praying for the last couple of months. I never prayed this in my life. But I pray, Lord, letters that you wrote in Revelation to the churches of Asia every one of those churches had situations except the church of Philadelphia and had an open door but to every other church there were some things there he said these are the good things but this is not good and he would say you got to repent or I'm going to remove your candlestick and my prayer has been God if you wrote a letter apostolic life I'd like to know what that letter reads because it's going to tell me the true condition of this church it's going to see things that I don't see and that's been my fervent prayer God show me and you help me pray for that because my next prayer is God then show me how to lead it to line up with where you want us to be and the one thing, this is not all, this is what the Lord's shown me so far. The one thing the Lord has shown me, and I know you're good people, we're all good people, but I feel like the Lord is showing me that our slack, one of our major slackness is prayer. It's prayer. And that's why I'm teaching on that next week. It talks about this, part of that armor of God. It lists all the pieces of armor, then it talks about with prayer. We, got it. we have all the armor on, but we got to have prayer, my friend. And so I've been praying about, Lord, how can I build prayer in the church? Show me how to build prayer. That's why we're opening the doors up, and we're going to pray throughout the day, give you opportunities to pray. We're going to have guides, uh, prayer guides passed out to you because we got to get serious about this prayer. we got to pray. we got to pray. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to pray. And when the prayer level rises to where God wants it to be in this church, it's going to trickle down into every single area of our church. Hello? Everybody think all things prayer. And I'm going to close with this. I've shared this story before, but you may remember it, you may not. There was a young man that was looking for a job and he was hired by uh, people who log, cut timber. Timberjack. So he went to work and he was young and robust. And they had men out there that had years of experience. And this young guy, the very first day, he blew everybody away. I mean, the owners of the company said, Man, I can't believe he did. He cut that much. Nobody's ever done that much. The next day, same thing. That week, the next week, the next week. But then about the fourth week, he started, his production started failing down and after a few more weeks they had to call him in and say look man you're the you're the slowest guy out there 
what's happened? He said, boss man, I don't have a clue. I'm working harder than I worked when I first started. I just can't do it. He said, let me, let me look at your axe. And that old axe was worn and dull. He said, son, you got to stop and take time to sharpen the axe. And if we're not careful, we're going to live in this world. And we're going to be striving and working hard. But if we don't stop and sharpen this axe through prayer, the Word of God, meditation, and worship, and the hearing of God's Word through faithfulness to the house of God, this old axe, Brother Lee, is going to get dull. And we're not going to be able to figure out why is things not happening the way they once happened. Amen. I want to open the altars tonight and invite you to come and pray.